Hello and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host and I consider myself a watchdog. Welcome, by the way, to the new and improved Watchdogs Bark. Actually, there's not really much new other than the fact that I'm going back to once a week. I can't do this twice a week. Uh, it just takes up too much of my time and I need to do other things that are profitable to make money to pay bills until I can make this thing profitable. Once this podcast becomes profitable enough, I definitely want to do this full time because I'm having a lot of fun doing this. And I really do feel very strongly about these things I talk about and want to warn people about stuff that's going on, good and bad. We know it's mostly bad right now. And I do try to put in that good. As you know, I always end all of my podcasts on a positive note. But I need your help. I need you to tell your friends and family and colleagues and coworkers that about this podcast. So maybe I can start growing this audience to the point where it can get profitable enough where I can go back to twice a week or maybe even three times. Or if it really gets profitable and I get a staff that can edit for me and do all these other things that, and, and we can research stuff together and I just get on and talk, then I'll do it daily. I would really love to do it. I've always dreamed about being a radio DJ host. When I was younger, I was a DJ for 18 years in clubs and a mobile DJ, but I always dreamed about being a radio host. And now that I have my podcast going, I'm hoping to get it to that point where I can really have some influence because a lot of people need to wake up about what's going on. All right, let's talk about today's topic, shall we? Starting with, of course, Title 42 went away. And there wasn't a mad rush at the border because a very wise governor in a southern state did something as a deterrent. Imagine that, doing something to deter a massive influx of illegal immigrants. I'll give you more detail later on. An NFL kicker that was accused of rape turns out his accuser lied. In my opinion, if someone lies to get someone charged with rape and ruins their career and possibly puts them in jail falsely, once that is discovered, they should face the same consequences. That's just my opinion. Planned Parenthood is now giving out puberty blockers and encouraging assisting kids transition without their parents' consent or knowledge. As if killing a half a million babies every year wasn't enough, now Planned Parenthood is doing something to even make you question more. Why did they choose the name Planned Parenthood? Because what they're doing is preventing parenthood, in my opinion. Uh, okay, uh, the Oakland school teachers are on strike. And some of their demands are just bizarre and have nothing to do with their salaries or medical care or insurance or anything like that. Also, uh, I will have to, of course, talk about the Trump civil case, uh, the verdict against uh, e or the verdict for E. Jean Carroll against Donald Trump. All right. And then, of course, I have to talk about the CNN town hall. I say in quotes because it wasn't a town hall. It was a debate uh, between Donald Trump and Caitlin Collins. All right. And then 
something that really is infuriating me. Uh, the Sergeant Daniel Penny has been charged with second-degree manslaughter because the Soros-backed DA of New York City, Alvin Bragg, has been pressured by the mob. And we are seeing what's happen happening now is called mob justice. And that's never a good thing. Then a couple things I want to talk about at the very end. And this, these are just questions. And I want answers, if anybody has answers. Where is Greenpeace? Why aren't they protesting the massive amounts of marine life that is being killed and displaced by all of these exploratory things going on for the wind farms off of our East Coast? And where are the women's rights activists with all of these trans women dominating women's sports? Why aren't they protesting? Why aren't they protecting women's rights? I really do want to know. All right. That and maybe a little bit more in the all new and improved Watch Dogs Bark. <laughs> all right. Let's get into it. As many of you know, a couple of days ago, Title 42 went away. That was the special law or rule that was put in place to prevent the spread of COVID. And it was renewed because there was nothing else really going on at the time. And this administration was completely unprepared. And now we're under Title VIII. What's the difference between Title 42 and Title VIII? Well, Title 42, like I said, was about COVID and about the spreading of COVID, which we know really doesn't make any difference because they weren't enforcing masks on the border. They weren't requiring vaccinations on the border. They even knew people that were COVID positive and they were putting them on buses and planes and shipping them to the interior of our country. So Title 42 basically just allowed a very quick turnaround and deportation of people they saw as a risk for spreading COVID. And now it's Title VIII. And Title VIII basically says, if you're caught coming across the, uh, our border illegally, the penalties can be ever increasing the more times you're caught, uh, up to five years of never being allowed to apply for asylum again. Well, a lot of people expected this massive migration or rush of our border the second Title 42 ended. And I was one of those. But you know what? Governor Greg Abbott of Texas did something extremely smart. He sent National Guard troops to sit on the border, put up razor wire, and act as a deterrent to bring people into our country. So there's still masses of people. There are estimates. This is not, a, this is not an exaggeration. Between 30 and 300,000 are amassed along our southern border, ready to come in. And they're all now kind of holding back and waiting to see what happens with Title VIII, if they're going to start enforcing that. You know, Democrats, did you, do you see what's happening? All we had to do was enforce our border laws. That's it. That's all you had to do was put National Guard troops or... Um, you know, CBP officers in mass on the border to say, no, you cannot cross here. 
and allow them to go through the ports of entry where they can apply for asylum. That's really all we were asking to people to do. But no, they're trying to come across all kinds of places, and now they're facing a wall, <laughs> interesting, right? A wall of people standing there preventing them from coming in. So my hat's off and applause to Governor Greg Abbott. I hope the other governors of the southern states will do the same. I know they won't do that in California, but uh, maybe in Arizona and New Mexico they might. Who knows? But that's what really needs to happen. And I need to be honest with you about asylum seekers. The asylum law is basically for people that are escaping grave danger or murder or torture or being put in jail for something they didn't do. But that's what asylum is for. Asylum is not for people that want a better life. That's not seeking asylum. Seeking asylum is seeking asylum from danger. And with all these people coming across our border from, I think it's 140 different countries around the world, you can look at the videos and you can see like a group from China and a group from Korea and other countries, they're dressed like they're just going to move right into the suburbs. They're not fleeing poverty. They're not fleeing war. They're, flee they're trying to come here for a better life. And honestly, I'm a little suspect of the immigrants coming in from countries that are enemies. Do they want to come to our country and make a life for themselves? Or do they want to come into our country and create harm? We do not know because we're not vetting them. And now we know over 100 people on the terrorist watch list have been apprehended. And like I said in a previous podcast, even if we go with a very conservative estimate that it's one captured, one got away, there's probably over a hundred terrorists in our country wanting to do us harm because this administration wants open borders. And they want open borders because they honestly believe that if these people get into the country and they get settled and they get jobs and they get medical care and all that, to show their appreciation, they will vote Democrat. You see, Democrats are playing for keeps. Republicans still want to be the nice guys. They still want to fight fair, and it's driving me bananas. I mean, I'm more of an independent and honestly a libertarian, constitutional libertarian, because I want us to all go back to the Constitution and take the government way back to what they were supposed to be constitutionally. And that is basically protect our national security and uh, regulate interstate trade and enforce our laws. That's basically all the government should be doing. They should not be doing 80% of the things they're doing, but people just are letting the government keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger every time the Democrats get in control. And honestly, it's happening with Republicans too, because Republicans are too weak to fight back. And uh, like I said in one other podcast, and I will, I will just emphasize this again, the left pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes this country to the left when they are in power. And then finally, people get fed up in this country 
and they say, okay, stop. We're going to elect Republicans now because this is getting out of hand. And all Republicans have ever done is stepped in and go, okay, (laughs) woo, okay, it's not going to go any further left. It's okay. We've got everything under control. And then they do nothing. And then the Democrats win again, and they push and push and push and push. So, like I've said, we do not have a right and a left in this country. We have a left and an extreme left. That is it. And we have so many people that are, I know, just wanting to live their lives and not get political and they don't watch the news and all that. And bless you, you know, you're probably having a wonderful, stress-free life. But we need more people to be awake of what's really going on because I'm reading a book right now called The Final Warning. And it's basically saying this might be the very last possible election to stop this country from going to Marxism and socialism. And the reason why I say that is this election, there are a lot of Democrat seats up for re-election in the Senate and more in the House. So there's a real good possibility that this election, Republicans could take back the Senate and keep the House with a larger margin and win the White House. And if that's the case, I understand that Democrats are afraid of that, but they really shouldn't be because all all Republicans are going to do is say, "Ooh, okay, whoa, all right, we're just going to stay here comfortably right here because we don't have Republicans strong enough to fight back the territory that this country has lost and the freedoms that we've lost. And go back and listen to all my podcasts about the things that a lot of the left want to institute a lot more surveillance state, uh, a programmable currency called central bank digital currency. Go back and listen to that. There's all kinds of things they want to do for control. So this may be the final election Republicans have of trying to save this, because if the Democrats win, it is going to be harder and harder and harder for Republicans ever to gain ground again, because the Democrats will get rid of the electoral college They'll get rid of the filibuster. They'll pack the Supreme Court. They'll make D.C. a state. And that will put everything so solidly in Democrats' hands, Republicans will have a lot of ground to make up. And then they'll just keep expanding it and expanding it. Democrats, when they say protecting democracy and defending democracy, what they mean is a Democratic one party rule. That is it. That is what they mean. They mean they want a democratic one party rule. Our founding fathers saw the fatal flaw of that, that eventually one party could gain so much control that they would maintain that control and the country would be tyrannical and under one party. So in order to do that, the very wise founding fathers created a republic with equal representation. And Democrats have been working for decades to undo every check and balance that the founding fathers put in place to try and keep a two-party system and try and keep that pendulum swinging back and forth. What I mean is about every four, eight, sometimes 12 years, that pendulum goes back to the other side and they take control for a while. And then that, then 
the country gets fed up with them and sends it back the other way and the pendulum goes the other way. And because that pendulum swings back and forth and back and forth, we've maintained our government and our country pretty much the same for millennia. And it's only been recently, within the last 50 to 60, 70 years, the Democrats created a long-term plan to eventually take full control. And we have to do everything in our power to stop it. All right? I know I covered a lot more than just Title 42, but you know me. I go off on tangents. An NFL kicker by the name of Matt Areza was released from the Buffalo Bills because of a charge that he was part of a gang rape at San Diego State University. And now that those charges have been dropped because we found out the woman that made that accusation lied. This, just like the Duke lacrosse story, if you guys don't know that, there was a woman that, that accused the Duke lacrosse team of gang rape. And they were ostracized and belittled and cut out of a lot of different tournaments because everyone automatically believes it's true. You know, there was that hashtag, believe all women. Well, we know that's not true because Democrats really only believe liberal women. Uh, so that's what they really mean. They b believe liberal women when they accuse anyone of anything until they can prove themselves innocent. Well, turns out the woman that accused Matt Areza of being a part of a gang rape lied. It is my opinion that anyone that falsely accuses someone of rape, because when you accuse someone of rape, that is one of the most heinous crimes you can attach to someone. You can do more damage to someone's career by calling them a rapist than calling them a racist or a neo-Nazi or anything. I mean, it is up in that level. You can destroy a person's career. And if this woman had a personal vendetta against Matt Reza because he may have shunned her or maybe they dated and I don't know what the whole story is, but when someone makes a false accusation, men or women, we know it can happen either way. If they are found out to be lying, they should face the same penalties, in my opinion, as someone who was accused of rape. They should be ostracized. They should face jail time. They should face ridicule because Matt Areza and the, the Duke lacrosse guys, and I, I know there's a couple of other, other stories I've read too, that they've been exonerated later. Their lives for a, a while were ruined. Their careers were ruined. Their ability to make money was ruined. So that is, to me, a horrible, serious thing. And thank goodness uh, the Bills have hired Matt Areza back, and he's planning a big comeback after he's been exonerated. And I hope the Buffalo Bills fans will welcome him back with open arms and apologize that they ostracized him and ridiculed and uh, belittled him because the, what he faced was a onslaught he didn't deserve. Just because, and we've heard the expression, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And apparently a woman was so scorned, she decided she was going to ruin Matareza's life because of that. And I wish him absolutely the best in his career. Uh, he's not on my football team. I'm actually a Denver Broncos fan. But 
I wish the Buffalo Bills and him all the luck in the world, and I hope he has an extremely successful career, and I hope the Bills will make it up to him for not trusting him. And uh, so that's what I have to say on that. Okay, now, um, what is the other one? Oh, yeah, Planned Parenthood is now giving out puberty blockers and encouraging and assisting kids transition without their parents' consent or knowledge. Planned Parenthood. Do you hear that second word, parenthood? When you have an organization that kills 500,000 babies before they're born, now wants to help children take puberty blockers and have surgery to reverse their natural born gender, possibly causing them to become sterile the rest of their life. That last word in planned parenthood, what they're doing is preventing parenthood. When you kill a pre-born baby and you get young children drugs that will possibly render them sterile to stop a natural process that's going to stop to create the very positive, complete development of their entire body, their brain, their muscle structure, their skeletal structure, all that is inhibited when they do not allow their bodies to go through puberty. And like I said, I have all the sympathy in the world for people that are actually suffering gender dysphoria. I'm sure it's a horrible thing. But in my opinion, it should be treated the same as body identity integrity disorder. That is an order, again, a disorder, mental disorder, where you actually believe that you have one too many arms or legs or toes or ears. And you think that if you would just have a doctor amputate that leg or arm or other appendage, you would be happier. That is never, ever treated with surgery. That is treated with therapy. But we have young children telling their woke, ideological focused parents that they're the other gender. And I've talked to parents where they are talking about their kids, talking about their, they feel like they're a boy if they're a girl or a girl if they're a boy. And they think they're dinosaurs, or they think they're cowboys, or they think they're Native American. It just, children go through all these phases trying to figure out who they are. After puberty, it becomes a lot clearer for 99.99999% of them. But if a parent actually goes with a child's fantasy, and that's what I'm going to call it, a fantasy for 99.999%, and they decide that they're going to change them for life and stop their puberty from happening and schedule them for gender transition surgery, there's a reason why there is such a high suicide rate among the transgender communities. Many of those transgenders transition and then regret it. And I believe social media has brought on this trend and yes, I do call it a trend. The reason why I call it that and I blame social media is there's a chart that shows that baby boomers, the, one, the, the generation right before baby boomers, baby boomers, Gen X, and 
starting into the millennials, but really the millennials is where it starts, millennials and Gen Z. And the amount of people that identify as members of the ever-expanding acronym alphabet group, LGBTQIA+, I'll do it one time for you, but the people that identify as members of that community stayed pretty steady through all generations until you got to the millennials. And then it started to go up dramatically. And then Gen Z went up really dramatically. As a matter of fact, I think there's like 7%, 7.6% of Gen Z are identifying as members of that community. Um, it's generally been less than 1% for generations and generations. And if transgenderism is a natural thing and not a mental disorder and that we need to enable this mental disorder and allow people to live that life, please explain to me why there aren't numerous genders and mixed genders in other species in this planet. There are only male and female. That is it. There is no gender fluidity. There are two genders, XX, XY, male, female. That's it. And one point I wanted to make that I made in another podcast was in a hundred years, when someone digs up your skeleton, what will they be able to say about you by just looking at the skeleton and taking DNA from the marrow? What will they be able to tell about you? Will they be able to tell you tell that you lived uh, a life as a female if you were a male? Will they be able to see, well, in some of them, they'll be able to see the breast implants because silicone lasts forever. But will they be able to know you cut off your penis and lived your life as a woman? No, they won't. Archaeologists will dig up your bones and determine if you were male or female by your skeletal structure and the DNA in your bones and marrow. That's it. I'm very disturbed. Now, I, I, another podcast I talked about, I think this is probably a trend and maybe a way of children to rebel now. And that's fine. If you want to rebel and dress and live your life as an opposite gender, that's up to you as an adult. But that's after puberty. That's after therapy. Then, if you want to do that and you, ha and you are old enough to make that decision yourself, God bless you. You know, I hope you live a happy, wonderful life. But when we're indoctrinating children that they'd be happier if they lived as the opposite sex or, heaven forbid, a furry, <laughs> we're destroying children. In my opinion, that is child abuse. And I've talked about children raising children. We have parents that are immature and only ideologically focused in their lives to where they can't think clearly and be the adults and the disciplinarians and the wise counsel that children desperately need right now. So organizations like Planned Parenthood, shame on you. When we have school boards and administrators and teachers and organizations like Planned Parenthood, their goal is to destroy 
children. Their goal is to break children from their parental influence. And some of them, I don't even think they realize why they're doing it. It's just what they're supposed to do according to their party and ideology. But they don't understand the people that are telling them to do this. They want to raise children as little activist soldiers that are confused, that are incapable of taking care of themselves. So the government can tell them what to do and they'll follow along like good little soldiers and the government can take care of them. And ultimately, the government will control them. That's what this movement is all about. It's not about helping people live their real lives. It's not about any of that. It's about control. Remember that. All right, really quickly, I know I went out of order, but now I'm going to talk about the Oakland School District teachers are on strike. You're not going to believe some of their demands. They're, of course, demanding higher pay, which some teachers deserve. Others, in my opinion, do not. Because if they're indoctrinating, I don't think they deserve to be paid at all. I believe they should leave the profession because they're abusing children, in my opinion. Now, also... Some of the demands that this Oakland school district are, are asking for are for the schools to be used as homeless shelters. Yeah, that'll be great for students. That's really thinking of the students' best interest first. And then they want reparations for black kids. I'm going to do a whole podcast on reparations and what that really means uh, soon. I'm doing research on, on a lot of things, especially the entire history of slavery and how reparations is going to be so convoluted, they'll never happen. And I'm sorry, the people in California that are planning on getting 1.2 million each or 5 million each or that one preacher that said that they deserve 200 million each because 40 acres is now worth 200 million, you're not going to get anything. You need to understand this, my friends of color. The left uses you for your vote. They talk about reparations. They talk about all the great things they're going to do for you. But please tell me what they've done for you. I don't think you can tell me. They might throw a little bit of money here and there just to keep you on the line. But they are mostly interested in keeping you dependent on them. If you're on welfare and the government is paying your bills, they own you. If you are not able to take care of yourself and your children, you're a slave to the welfare system. Think about that. So my final thought on this is if these teachers and teachers unions cared and put as much time and energy into their students and their learning math and reading and being proficient as they did about their woke initiatives, the children would not be in such a bad place. 21% of students in the Oakland School District can read or do math at a proficient level for their grade. These liberal teachers' unions are doing more harm to minority students than reparations would ever be able to repair. Shame on them. All right, and real quickly, I want to comment about the Trump civil case 
and the verdict against him of battery and the fine that was imposed on him. But he was exonerated of the rape charge. Now, E. Jean Carroll, this is a very interesting thing because I remember watching an interview with her on Anderson, oh, Anderson Cooper show and listen to what she said about rape. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. But I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think most sexy. people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. We're going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. Poor Anderson Cooper couldn't get out of that one quick enough. Uh, Imagine how awkward that is. Does anybody think that? As a matter of fact, if I was the defense attorney uh, for Donald Trump, I would have asked E. Jean Carroll two things. You've accused a few men of sexual assault and rape. Have all of them happened? And then in that interview with Anderson Cooper, you accused a lot of people of thinking rape is sexy. Do you think rape is sexy? You see, the people that support Trump don't believe her, and the people that hate Trump believe her. Honestly, I don't know. But according to Democrats, immorality shouldn't disqualify someone from being president. The reason why I say that is because Back in the 90s, the Democrats made it very clear that what happened between Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky had no bearing over whether he could govern or not. And that was the standard set. So has that changed? And if so, why is it different now? Why is it different that if a president or person trying to be president or reelected as president, if they're immoral, why does that, why should that count against them for being president? You made it very clear that whether or not a president is immoral or not has no bearing over the way they govern. By the way, you told everyone that what Bill Clinton did was no big deal. And remember, in a civil case, like that one of E. Jean Carroll against Donald Trump, you don't have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. In civil cases, you only have to prove according to the preponderance of evidence. And you'll notice the jury, even a New York City jury that hates Donald Trump, did not convict him of rape. I believe that the charges of sexual battery and the $5 million fine that he had to pay E. Jean Carroll was a, co- was a concession. They had to charge him with something. I mean, this is Donald Trump. And I believe Donald Trump has a great team of lawyers, and I believe he'll get these charges reversed in appeal because there just wasn't enough evidence. And, and yes, he joked about it in his town hall, and the audience laughed. And, and you know, yes, that was not a great thing to happen and, and was rude. But he was kind of just pointing out the absurdity of how it could have happened when the dressing rooms in Bergdorf Goodman are right next to the cash registers. So I don't know. Believe it or not, uh, most people that hate Donald Trump will believe it. And most people that support Donald Trump won't believe it. So I'll just leave it up to you. Uh, The court of public opinion have already made their 
opinions known either way. But as for me, I'm not sure it happened. And I, especially with someone who calls rape sexy, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. If you feel differently, write me, Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. And that brings us to the next part uh, that also includes Donald Trump, and that was the CNN town hall, he says in quotes, with Donald Trump. Now, the Democrats are all screaming at the top of their lungs and mad at CNN for daring to bring Donald Trump onto their network. And you know what? They're not really upset at CNN. They're upset that Donald Trump got applause and a positive response and the audience laughed and that he was knowledgeable of what he was talking about and showed how out of touch they really all are. I actually applaud CNN for doing this. I believe their new CEO is trying to appeal to the other side, realizing their numbers are plummeting so deeply. I think they average about 500,000 listeners a night, maybe 700,000 on their top programs. And on this one hour program, they got 3.2 million viewers. So I believe it was a wise decision according to profitability. But also, the reason why I keep saying town hall in quotes, it wasn't a town hall. It was a, a debate between Caitlin Collins and Donald Trump. Why do I say that? A moderator of a town hall moderates the questions going to a candidate and maybe makes some, uh, you know, uh, clarifications or expounds a little bit on different things and asks for clarifications. But Caitlin Collins debated Donald Trump. I mean, listen to what happened after one of the questions. To put in seven ballots apiece. So, Mr. I mean, President, and all I have to camera. stop you there because, because there is no evidence that Obama took them, Nixon took them, Obama Reagan took them. One question about what happened when you had those documents. My house. Can I talk? Yeah, what's you the mind? answer? Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the question. Okay, it's very simple to answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to You are a nasty person, I'll tell you. You once said that using the that using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge uh, just could not happen. You you said that when sure. you were in the Oval Office. That's when I was president. To, so why is it different now that you're out of office? Because now I'm not president. <laughs> you know, watching this debate was actually quite refreshing. Uh, you don't get that kind of straightforward, blunt realism from any other candidate. Trump just says it like he thinks and says it like it is, and. You know, that comment, uh, you're a nasty person, that's, that's Trump. And that's, that's one of the reasons why the other side hates him. Because he attacks people that attack him. And she was attacking him. You know, what people don't realize in the news business, the, peop the little ear things that people have and the curly wire that goes in back of their neck you see all the time, they have a war room of producers and writers all sitting back, fact-checking everything Donald Trump was saying. And screaming in her ear that she had to say this, say that, say this. So this wasn't Caitlin Collins coming back with all those things. This was the war room trying to beat Trump. And in my opinion, Trump won the entire night because he was funny. He was real. He was knowledgeable. He was on point with everything. And 
no teleprompter, no script. You don't get that from our current president. He couldn't do that if his life depended on it because he's he's never been a really smart man. But now, dementia, it's, he's got a lot of problems with that. But it'll be okay because his family has lots of money from foreign governments. Oh, did I say that? Oh, I did. Now, of course, the rest of the liberal media is literally losing their minds over this debate. Uh, town hall. Sorry. Yeah. Listen to how crazy everyone went the next day. No surprises. And yet it was just it was a disgraceful uh, performance. I'm not going to pretend like it was easy for me to see the former president get this forum tonight to lie to the American people over and over and over again. I was wondering when he was going to be fact-checked in real time. I think we needed a Chiron. This is a lie. This is a lie. This is a lie. This is a lie. What I didn't know was that the audience would be filled with his cult. (laughs) I would like to know if CNN was passing out Kool-Aid before the event started. Ah, yes. You can just see it now. Picture the ending of Kingsman, the Secret Service, when all their heads are exploding to the uh, 1812 overture by Tchaikovsky. <laughs> dun, 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 I mean, that's literally all you heard from the liberal media, because you know why? They're not mad at CNN again. They're mad because the public identifies with Donald Trump. What you all need to understand, and by you all I mean Trump supporters and Republicans, the left hates you. They despise the fact that you do not believe the same thing they do. They think you are lowlifes. They think you are uneducated, hillbillies, um, the lowest of the low that exists because the left, Their idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion doesn't include diversity of thought, doesn't include diversity of opinion, of beliefs. That's only surface things like skin color and sexuality and gender. That's where they're all about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But they could care less about the people that disagree with them And they actually believe you are a cult, just like Joy Behar, one of the dumbest individuals on daytime television. She actually believes that. She believes that if you support Trump, you are a cult and cannot think for yourself. And the funny thing is, the Republican Party, in my opinion, has the most diversity of a thought's an opinion allowed. It's a very wide, diverse group of innovators and independent thinkers. At least that's what I've discovered. And honestly, Democrats and the left really think that if they belittle, marginalize, and shame you enough, eventually you'll come to your senses and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was deceived that long. Oh, please forgive me. I'm so ashamed of what I've done. Oh, please, please forgive me. You have been right all this time. That's what they want. They want absolute capitulation 
and humiliation. And even if that happens and you beg for forgiveness, they're never going to let you forget the fact that you dared think differently than them for any period of time in your life. The reason why Donald Trump has thousands of people willing to line up in whatever weather for hours on end waiting to hear him speak is because they identify with him. He is their voice, a voice that has been silenced for so many years. So many new regulations and policies and laws and educational standards all have been created by liberal elites, by people that think they're above the low-life farmers and ranchers and uh, mechanics and factory workers. They look down their noses at you. Donald Trump does not. That's why everyone likes Donald Trump. He speaks for the people that have for so long not been able to speak for themselves. Again, that's just my opinion, but that's what I observe about the crowds that follow Donald Trump. And that drives the left crazy, which honestly is kind of the reason why I find it very entertaining. <laughs> I think Donald Trump is the only one at this point that can stand up against this onslaught because all these other candidates I really like, Ron DeSantis, if he ever decides to get in, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, now Larry Elder, uh, even uh, Governor Sununu. And on the Democrat side, I actually likes a lot of the things RFK is saying, RFK Jr. So, I, I, you know, there's definitely other candidates that I could vote for. But right now, Donald Trump is the only one that has proven that he can stand against this complete onslaught and hurricane of attacks and hatred and still govern pretty dang effectively. All right, the final thing I want to talk about, and I think I'll leave uh, the Where is Greenpeace and Where are the Women's Rights until the next podcast, because I do want to spend a lot of time on them because there's a lot of details about both that I think it's insane to me how they're not even paying attention to what's going on to marine life and what's going on to women and especially women's sports. But I want to talk about this incident that happened on the New York subway. Everyone knows now that Sergeant Daniel Penny has been charged with second degree manslaughter for strangling a mentally ill man who was threatening passengers and Penny on the New York subway. Now, the fact that Sergeant Penny was charged and arrested is going to prevent others from stepping in and doing the right thing when they, when they can. There's going to be other, you know, men that are physically capable of stopping things from happening, attacks on women, all kinds of uh, abuses that happen on subways. They're just going to sit by and do nothing now because they're going to look at this and say, well, why should I intervene? Why should I risk something happening that would put me in prison or being charged with something that could ruin my life and my record. And that's the, the crazy thing. Sergeant Penny has a flawless service record. 
He has won awards for humanitarian efforts, and he is an exemplary Marine. And he put Mr. Neely in a chokehold that, like I said in my last podcast, if you do it right, you know, you collapse the two carotid arteries, cut off blood flow to the brain, the person passes out, then you let go and put them on their side. And, and by the way, there is video showing the people that were restraining Mr. Neely and Sergeant Penny that was holding him by the, in a chokehold, let him go and turned him on his side so he would recover. That's what you're supposed to do when you get someone to pass out by cutting off the blood, so blood flow to their brain. You get them to pass out, they recover. And like I said, they wake up with one hell of a headache, but they live. And Mr. Neely was struggling a lot, but I'm going to make not a prediction, but a word of caution. I would caution anyone that would believe the mob without waiting for all the evidence. You see, what's happening right now in New York, particularly with Alvin Bragg and Al Sharpton and all the other people, uh, AOC and all the other ones that, that want basically Daniel Penny hung for doing this. They want justice. They don't want real justice. They want mob justice. And mob justice is never just. All right. This Mr. Neely. Oh, and also the videos, the videos they're showing him of doing Michael Jackson impersonations and all this stuff in Times Square, they're from 10 to 15 years ago, okay? These are not videos he did the day before. These are videos they pulled out of archives years ago to make you think that Mr. Neely was still that guy. He wasn't. He was mentally ill. He was, in fact, listed as one of the top 50 people in New York City that needed help. He was also a drug addict. So I personally am hoping everyone waits for the toxicology report, for the autopsy, for everything, witness reports, everything that comes through. I'll bet you if all the facts come out, I don't think there's any way a grand jury will even want to take this to trial. Of course, I could be wrong, and if it, but if it does go to trial, and especially if it's public, I don't think there's any way Daniel Penny gets charged. He may get a, a, a small charge of a fine and community service or something like that. But if he goes to jail for this for, for more than a, a couple months or weeks or whatever, I'll be very surprised because it's pretty obvious when you watch the video. As a matter of fact, you can see Mr. Neely take a big breath while Sergeant Penny supposedly has him in a chokehold. It looks to me like his arms are up right around his jaw, not down on his throat. So uh, and again, I'm just watching the video and making my assumptions. Other people want mob justice. They want him to be thrown in jail for a, very, a lot of years. And what happened to Mr. Neely was tragic. But I'm, I'm thinking something's going to come out with a toxicology report or autopsy, proving that the cause of death may have been something else. Just the same as when George Floyd died. George Floyd was not choked to death by, by Derek Chauvin. He was not. Derek Chauvin was, was kneeling on his back. When George Floyd said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. One of the main signs 
of drug overdose is not being able to breathe. And George Floyd had admitted to the police officers earlier that day that he had been hooping fentanyl. And hooping means administering it anally. Goes into the system faster. And also the toxicology report showed that George Floyd had a amount of fentanyl in his body that would have killed the average person three times over. He had three times the amount that would kill a normal person. And I know, uh, he, being a drug addict, you, you, build, you, you build up this immunity and this resistance, so it may have taken more, but three times? I believe George Floyd died of a drug overdose. Now, Derek Chauvin should have known something like that, should have had Narcan on, should not have been kneeling on his back that long, and he did look sadistically like he was enjoying a little bit of it. So I believe Derek Chauvin was ultimately in the wrong, but I don't believe that George Floyd died of asphyxiation. I believe he died of a drug overdose. That's just my opinion. Again, if you agree or disagree with it, you're welcome to. Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. And please share that email with people. And if you have someone you know that would be a good debate partner with me, uh, have them write me some questions that they want me, me to address on the podcast. If you agree or disagree or have things you want me to cover, write me, drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right. I think that's going to be all for this podcast because I, uh, I think I'm running probably 45 minutes or so at this point. But next episode, I'm going to talk about some things that are really baffling me. With all of the marine life being killed, the coast of America, the east coast of America, where's Greenpeace? With Leah Thomas and other trans athletes, I think there was a bike rider recently that dominated uh, the women's bicycling competition. And just wait till it gets to the Olympics. We used to ban Eastern Germany Olympians that were men competing in women's sports. That used to happen. And now, is the Olympic Committee going to allow men to compete in women's sports if they identify as trans women? It'll be interesting to see if that happens. If it does, and I know people say, oh, you're just, you know, a transphobe and being ridiculous. If we allow this to continue, women's sports is done. It'll be dominated by trans women. Dominated. Because men and women are different. That is a biological fact. Men have more muscle mass. Men have denser bone. Men have different skeletal structure. It's not fair for them to compete. Now, I, I believe, as others, there should be another category. For people that want to compete and not compete against their biological sex, I, I, absolutely. If, if a trans woman wants to continue competing against men and can do that, go for it. And, and you can dress however you want and, you know, whatever. And if you can compete, great. But it's not fair that trans women are competing against actual biological women because there's so much of a physical advantage. And you want proof of that? Show me one. And I mean just one. Show me one trans man that is dominating men's sports. You cannot do it because that does not exist. That's my opinion on that. So anyway, I'll cover that in more detail 
the next podcast. And let me share something with you uh, that I always want to leave on a positive note. So just one quick word of advice. If you're struggling and having a down day or down couple days, and I know some people really struggle with depression, one thing I've discovered that really helps is two or three things that you can do to immediately change your state of mind. Number one is music. Music is powerful. How many songs can you think of that take you back to a specific place in your past? I can think of so many. From high school, you know, uh, ACDC Back in Black, Van Halen, Running with the Devil, Journey, Faithfully. You can tell what generation I was raised in, right? And one of my all-time favorite groups is Boston. And more than a feeling, if that song comes on, I almost have to stop everything I'm doing to listen and sometimes sing along. There are things you can do. Turn on some amazing, fun, upbeat music. Dance, move. Sometimes when we get in depression, we shut down physically and we need endorphins in order to get that mood to go away. And so put on a good piece of music and dance. And if you have a voice or if you don't even have a voice and no one else is around and you don't care, sing, have fun, put on something like that, that will change your mood. Or if you really want to go after it and you know, you've got a couple hours or even a, an hour, put on a funny comedy routine, put on uh, one of your favorite sitcoms, one of your favorite episodes of a sitcom, or put on a great movie, one that's really inspiring and uplifting and will make you laugh and smile and maybe cry a little. That's fine. But you got to get out of the doldrum, what is what my dad used to call it, the doldrums, when, when you just have those times when you just feel down. And this is for people that don't suffer from actual depression. I know that depression is a real thing. And I'm, I'm sure it's debilitating. You know, I was, I was uh, married to a woman that was bipolar. <laughs> and that didn't last long. But uh, she didn't have manic depression. She had manic rage. So I don't really understand the depression thing. And, and that's my fault. Uh, I would like to understand it more. I have friends that suffer from depression. And I really try to reach out and help them. And I encourage you to do the same thing. If you know a friend of yours is really having a rough time, show up at their house with a, a few donuts or, uh, you know, hot chocolate or uh, soda or coffee or something and just sit down and talk with them. Sometimes that's all it takes to get people out of that hole they're in. And I know for me, music, dancing, and movies really motivate me and give me the uplift I need. So again, if you're going through a really rough time or even just having like a down day and you want to change that and, and turn it into a productive fun day, do one of these three things. And I promise you, things will turn around. All right. And on that, I want to thank you again for listening to the Watchdogs Bark. Tune in next time. And until then, create an amazing day and relay the bark.